lights, camera, we're going live. Learn the ins and outs of live events from today's top business leaders and how to make yours epic. Here's your host, Aaron Smith. All right, welcome to another episode of Epic Live Events. I'm Aaron Smith, and today we are talking FreeCon. I've got Emily Leach Woo-hoo! here, the o- yes, the owner and founder of FreeCon. They just finished up their third year of a conference, uh, or their third year in their conference. And Emily, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me this morning. Yes, I'm so happy you're here. Emily is one in the first episode I talk about a mastermind I, I was able to attend after my first event. Emily was one of them who actually facilitate the whole thing. And we learned so much. And for FreeCon, it's a, a conference specifically for freelancers. It's right. based out of Austin. You just had it in September of, of this year. I, you're a freelancer yourself. And yes, 25 plus years. Yeah. Yes. So you get this idea. You're like, we need a conference. I want you to talk about the beginning because your beginning is very similar to mine. <laughs> you see a need and you say, I would have put together an event. And I want, to, I want you to talk about that story and how much you knew about putting together events before you started. Okay. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and that's the, the knowing a little bit about putting together events is probably what gave me the, um, the confidence or feeling of confidence that I could even do it. So yeah, I was, I, I had just been about six months, uh, six, seven months building an online Facebook group of freelancers. And we were having these really cool conversations. It's a closed group. And I loved seeing and, and, and being a part of those really cool, vulnerable conversations in a safe space. And I, t- I always tell the story this way is that I was sitting in my work chair, which is a recliner. And I just, it was like, I want to do this in person. You know, I want to have these conversations and be in a safe space face to face. I mean, cyber is great, but I wanted it. And so I got up, went, walked across the room, got my credit card. I was going to find me a conference and I was going to buy my, that's how, how much I wanted it that night. And it didn't exist in any country. So I was, I sat there for a few minutes and I was like, okay, I've spent five years doing TEDx events. And so I, I, and I was the co-founder for TEDx ABQ. We grew it from nothing to a couple thousand. So I was like, okay, I, I feel like I know how to do that. I replicated some of that in Corpus Christi. Um, how hard could this be? <laughs> the famous last yeah, word. <laughs> I asked more than once, but um, so then I live in Austin, like you said. So I started looking at the calendar, and I know we have South by Southwest, and so January through. I mean, I know that it's in in March, but it's really January through the end of April is just done, you know, because people are burnt out. So that's not really an option here. And so, you know, I started summers and uh, not really a good option. Everybody knows that November, December, not good, you know, so I basically boiled it down to October. So this was, this idea came about the middle of July. So I'm like, okay, it's either October of, this was in 2014. So it's either in about a hundred days or it's in about, 450 days, you know, which, which one's going to, which, what is it going to be? And, um, I went with the hundred days. Yeah. It's, so, you know, but at least you get it over. I mean, at least, you know, cause yeah. Yeah. Cause here's the deal. And, and you and I've had this conversation. You just got to have your first one. Yes. And so that was like going, okay, I can still have one in 400 and something days. So I, I need to just have the first one. And so I did, I found a spot 
I was happy with a hundred people. So I found a spot to do that. You know, I kept it small, kept it super, super simple. And it turns out that that's with the exception of this year, this year finally trumped that year, but um, it was everybody's favorite. You know, the second year we we're just talking with somebody about it yesterday. They're like, the second year was cool. It was a neat space, learned a lot. It was just different. Right. And then everybody's like going, but the first year was awesome. And then this year they went, Oh, was awesomer. I know it's not a word, but it's a word in my yeah. world. <laughs> right. Well, okay. So one of the things I like to talk about are the details. And when you bring in, bring yeah. up this year, you really went all out. I love the game idea. I love, can you talk about the theme in alignment to the non-negotiable details that you put together for this third one? Cause I thought it was genius and just such uh, creative thinking. You really have to look at your target market. Right. And look at it from every direction possible. And so freelancers, what do they do? What do they want? What do they need? They need to play. They like to play. They love their freedom. They love to engage. Even though the majority of freelancers are introverts, um, they still love to engage. And so that was our non-negotiable is people have to create relationships is the only reason I want to have this conference they, they need to connect with each other so that they can create um, strategic partnerships. And they need, but, but because so many of us are introverts, so you can put 100 freelancers, 150 freelancers in a room, and somehow all four corners will turn into 100 corners and everybody will be standing mm-hmm. in one of them, kind of sort of, right? And so we came up with the idea of building games. And a lot of people have seen them and even heard of the, the giant games, but we, we took it to another level. So I built Kerplunk, which I know not everybody remembers or has even got to play, which is a sad um, thing in the world. So we built a Kerplunk that's six foot tall, you know, 30 inches around, and then filled it with, you know, great big balls. And we, had, we literally had to use three-eighths inch dowel rods so that they were heavy enough that you could pull them without splintering or whatever and hold the balls. And then we did... Um, giant cornhole so fun so they're like three and a half feet wide by five feet long and we had these pillows that my boyfriend's had since i don't know 30 35 years and they're huge and they're super heavy right so we have these pictures of these guys and and you know and and women were doing it too but i men seem to be drawn to a little bit more just trying their hardest to loft these great big pillows and so people were playing right and then we did the connect four which was like a four foot by six foot, you know, connect four even. And so then we created tournaments. And so instead of a kickoff event, a kickoff party where everybody stands around and holds their beer and and hopefully if I drink enough, I'll finally want to talk to somebody, whatever. We created tournaments and pulled together teams. And they, so everybody had to come in and play with stuff and we put it in the middle of our sponsor section. So people are in there, they're interested, they're playing oh, let's see what this guy over here is doing. And the sponsors came out and then played. And so they were engaged too. Um, And then we left them up throughout most of the conference so people could just kind of come in and play. It's a great idea because yes, details are important. Content is important. It's the connections that's going to keep, you know, the quality of the room. We talked about this, getting the quality of the room together and the connections that you make that's going to make people want to keep coming back. And so I love it. Did you see a difference in how people connected from this year to the prior years? Absolutely. You know, the experience, you're, you're creating an experience, 
right? So you get to pick what that experience is. And so that's where the details really get important, right? You know, where, where do the games sit in relationship to each other? Where do the games sit in relationship to the space? How are people going to, you know, people want to sit around or be able to watch the game. So what are you going to provide for them? Oh, there's some really fun. We, we did the wobbly stools, right? Because it's a playground. So we actually call our sponsorship area the playground. Yeah. And then we build the experience within the playground so that the sponsors can then interact with it. I love it. Great idea for the sponsors too, because you want them more right. than just a booth sitting off to the side. Um, I want to talk about how you grew it too, how you're getting more exposure for it. This year you did something different called the future of work. So yeah. up to the event, you toured, I know it was Dallas, uh, Houston, right? Did you do some in Houston? Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, and Austin. Yeah. And so you did four cities. You're going all over doing, and you're, you partnered with co-working spaces and did yep. many kind of sessions. Can you talk a little bit about the strategy behind that and then how you feel it paid off overall? Just because that's a lot of time and effort. It was a lot of time and effort. And I don't know that I would be quite as extensive, um, if, you know, whatever we do next year in that regard. But I wanted to hit those cities. They're all within driving distance of Austin. And I wanted to hit them multiple times, you know, the whole marketing strategy of touching people more than once. Um, and so I think that paid off and that people got, we got to reach a few more people. And so what we did was we, we created a topic for the summer. We call it the 90 day summer series. Mm-hmm. And we created a topic for that. And so the first year we, we had a topic within the future of work. And then the second month we had a different piece of it and the third month, a different piece of it. And then we did a panel because people love panel discussions. I do. And it was, it was a lot of organization more than, more than I anticipated really. Now, had we created one panel and asked them to commit to all three months, that would have, you know, made a big difference too. But our topics were so different, that wasn't really a reality. It worked in that um, we did get people engaged. They, we were able to launch the National Freelancer Awards for the first time through that and, again, be able to touch them because we, we, we just put a lot in that 90 days. So that was probably my biggest lesson learned. But we wanted it launched. It was the National Freelancer Awards. It was like, let's just have it one year so that next year it has something to sprout off of. And that, that looks like it has worked. And, and the, the awards, that's, a, that's another idea. I love that idea. Did you feel, so would you, you know, 90 days was a lot, like you said. I mean, it was four cities, 90 days. Would you spread it out more? Do you think, is that what you're going to do next year? Do you think you're going to maybe not do three in each city? How does that look just on kind of seeing how you were driving all over, putting in that effort? What changes a little bit next year? Two things, two big things change. And that is um, the team looks different. Um, so that it would have, it would, I don't know that it would have felt like so much work had I been working more on the business instead of in it, you mm-hmm. know, that, that conundrum. And so this year the team will look a little bit different. So there's still things happening when I'm on the road. I think I would probably do each city only twice instead of three times. So we talk about four cities, but it's four cities, three times. Yeah. And I think twice is probably good enough and then put some webinars maybe in there so that you can still touch those people, but a little differently. And I'm playing with the idea of maybe even going to expanding it out, but going to a few other cities, maybe mm-hmm. do some Oklahoma, some Kansas city, the, the, the States that find it pretty easy to, to come to Austin. Can you talk a little bit about your expansion policy too? Cause I know you've, or your expansion strategy, like you've talked about 
wanting to go out to, you know, get more, either get more people involved across the country because your conference right. isn't just a conference for Austin people or Texas Correct. people. It's for freelancers. Right. Um, and over 50% of our target, our, um, our attendees this year was from outside the state. So, so, yeah. so how are you working to continue to grow that? Like what are, I know you've talked about different ideas you have of working on that. And I, and I cannot say that I have, um, I've landed on one. So there's the, the two routes that we're kind of looking at right now is, or maybe it's three different routes. One that I'm playing with is, do we just begin to take it to different cities, a different city every year? And then maybe every five years it comes back home to Austin. I, that's one idea. The, the other idea is to change up, and this may happen regardless, is to change up the structure of it, you know, the flow of it, so that it lends itself better to maybe co-working spaces or something like that across the country doing a, um, I forgot the word now, but the doing their own freelance conference kind of in their city that's easier, and then they they bring in the, the speakers. Like you know, a satellite. Satellite. Yeah, satellite. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> and then they live stream in the, the speakers. And then they can have, so we're talking about doing a, a speaker and then an, an open conversation about the speaker, which they could be doing there. We could be doing here. And then they come back in and they live stream because people don't really like to live stream for eight hours or right. six hours or whatever. Exactly. And, you know, so you do two or three of those, you break for lunch, you come back and you do a panel. They could do their own panel or they could live stream in our panel. Um, so that way we're doing these satellite events simultaneously and we're pulling in that experience with technology and providing some of the, the higher end speakers like we we're talking about earlier and they not to do that. You know, so we're basically providing that. And then you can open up in the afternoon to an unconference, which again, they can do there. We can do here. Um, so we can kind of play that way. The, the third option is to do multiple freelance conferences a year, maybe like three a year in three different locations. Yeah. And they all make me a little tired. Yeah. No, I, I it's a, it's a, it, it, you know, you get great feedback you know there's a market for either, any of those, um, right. but there it just it's more moving parts with one conference. It feels like there's a lot of moving parts already. Why add you know multiply right. that? More, yeah. Oh, this but is I, so hard. Let's do it tw- three more times. Exactly. Exactly. Because <laughs> even you know conferences are like weddings. Well, there's they're all events, right? But even when you do small, there's still a lot of details, a lot. a lot of planning. Like even my luncheons that I do, 50, 60 people, I'm checked out for like a week before just getting everything planned and it's not easy, you know, and it's supposed to be a lot easier, but it's not easy. No, it's, it's not because the, the details, right. The successes and the details and all those details still exist, whether you have 20 people or 200 people or 2000 people, granted it, it, it does grow exponentially mm-hmm. because those details change. And there's some details you can't do with 2000 that you can only do with 40 or hundred or something like that. Um, and so that's where you get back to. And, you know, going back to your original ta- um, question of details is one thing that I would definitely tell people is double, go back and, and, and relook at the details that you've chosen to do and make sure that that detail is going to have an impact. And if it's mm-hmm. a detail because, right. yeah, because you want it, uh, re- rethink that. 
because you can kill yourself with details and they're super important. Don't get me wrong. I love the details. And it's one of the number one things that people come back and say, is like, Oh my God, you thought of everything. The details were amazing all the way down to the, the glass that we used, you know, or something like that, but make, make sure that it's worth it. It's a great tip. Cause if it's not going to be, don't kill yourself doing it. <laughs> yeah. Sim- simple can be way better. Absolutely. Simple elegance is, is kind of what I tr- strive for. Oh, it's very true though. I think it, it's, it's a great tip. Now let's talk sponsorship because you've done, like I said, three years. I really would love to know the lessons learned that you've, you know, you've found from year one to year three in, you've, you've landed some great sponsors over these past years, but Thanks. A, how to land those, like what have you learned about those connections and relationships and how to build those? And B, what has been really important to making those sponsors happy? Follow through is the answer to that last part. Um, do, you know, do what you say. And mm-hmm. it, it's the same with, they're just a client at that point, right? So uh, uh, under promise over deliver, I think is, is the, the slogan that people use and it's, it's an accurate one. So the first year I didn't really have any, I, I think I had two or three people that just paid a few hundred dollars just to get in front of people. Um, and then the second year, I, I went after a few more. So I do my sponsorships kind of invitation only. Now, I have some people that reach out and say, hey, I want to get in front of freelancers. And so then I will basically get on the phone with them, make sure they're a fit, why are freelancers are a, a fit. And then at that point, they get the invitation and get the, the sponsorship deck. And then go from there. And because that's a part of my experience. So for me, I don't have an exhibit hall. I, I don't really do a sponsorship area. You know, the playground is as close as it gets. And everybody in the playground has to have a piece of the, the experience. And so that's what you're buying in my conference is a part of the experience. And so we, we minimize our sponsorships so that we can um, sort of hand deliver the target market somehow. And then the last, but like I said, not least, you just have to follow through. Yeah. Now there was, I remember you talking about, and I can't remember the details. It's going to kill me, but you had done something. I know like you had said, it was something you were going to do with the sponsors. I know you had said like, they're going to be part of the hall, but there was, there was something you were doing pre to the event to get people to learn about the sponsors. And we, we didn't ever get to make that happen this year. Okay. We definitely want to do it next year. And, you know, just get on, whether it's Zoom, whether it's Facebook Live. I Actually, I really enjoyed doing, um, I did it with the speakers. So I would love to do this with the sponsors next year is, I think you could do twofold. You could do a webinar, especially if they're an app or something like that. So you mm-hmm. can have them do a webinar and then also get on to um, BeLive.TV and just do an interview. You know, who are you? You know, put a face to them. Right. One of the things we talk about too is what it, so how does FreeCon align with your business or your life? And I know, or your business. And in this case, this is your business, correct? Correct. Um, pretty much. I mean, I, I'm playing with doing some stuff that, that aligns more because as, as you know, you and I've had the conversation, it can be difficult to run a conference, especially if you want to keep the conference relatively small, like I love my conference being. I mean, even my sponsors came to me this year. It's like, I love that it was small. We have about 150-ish people because they said I actually got to meet everybody and have have real conversations where you said we go to conferences that have hundreds, if not thousands of people, and you you meet the same amount. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, meet, you still meet 40 or 50 people. 
And so that was really interesting. I mean, and I'm not talking small. I'm talking into it. I'm talking Microsoft. These people came back to me and said, I love that this is small. So anyway, that's a little bit of a side note. But you know that moment when you forget what the actual question was? Oh, yeah. All the time. Just had um, <laughs> I forgot what the actual question was, too. What was it? <laughs> About sponsors? I don't even remember. Uh, oh, how it's in how this is with your life. Oh. Like, is it, do you get more right. business from it? Do you, is it just your business? Like how, how does this massively time and money right. resource thing, how does it pay off for you? I'm still figuring that one out as well. So the first two years I kept my website design, you know, I kept my freelance business on the side and did it help, you know, did it really feed one or one feed the other? Um, not really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could sort of make it the, the, the group that I create on Facebook way more than anything else. And so at this last year, I, I literally took the year off from that to focus on the conference. And it, you, I, I feel like you could see it and you could feel it in the conference. It had a lot more of me in it. And so I was like, okay, so that was worth it. I think it was a little painful financially, but that was worth it. <laughs> and then now having done that and can see what I would really love to do forward is even though I'm fairly introverted, I still love to be on stage. I love to speak for freelancers. I feel like they need a bigger voice. And I feel like this conference is helping put me in a position. So I have organizations, you know, like NACE and some of these other organizations reaching out and saying, Hey, I see you now and I want to talk to you because you got this thing going. And so now I'm building out this platform to do some training that I've created and hopefully some, some more speaking across the country and that kind of stuff. So that's how it's beginning to tie my other passions and the other things I really want to do with it being a kind of a once a year thing. And I love this because leadership is not a permission type thing. It's you saw a need, you filled it, you worked your butt off for three plus years now. And now all of a sudden you're like, I, these people need a voice and I'm totally cool with being that voice, but it's not like somebody permitted you to do this. Right. Or I, I love stuff like that. So wrapping up. Okay. You've got people who are Thinking about wanting to jump in the conference, maybe they've done their first conference and they're like, I don't know. <laughs> actually, I think that's not because once you actually do the conference, it's worth it. It's but maybe you're two weeks before the conference, you're like, What the hell have I got myself into? We've all been there. What advice do you have for them? You know, and now that you're you're I know there's gonna be a year four. So now that you're going into a year four, what advice do you have for them? Well, that month prior to the conference, when you haven't sold the amount of tickets that you thought were going to sell four months ago, um, hold tight. It, it may very possibly still happen. Is it a guarantee? No. But it feels like based on you know the, the people that you and I know too, that almost every conference owner gets there um, in that last month. So that, that's a true statement. So hold on, because I hear almost everyone that puts on any event, conference, luncheon, whatever, like I... We don't have the RSVPs. We don't have the tickets sold. And we're only three weeks out. It's like, hold tight. And you get there and they have their 50 people. So hold tight there. Um, a lot that I've already, I've already hit on, you know, is um, pay attention to your details. Make sure they're worth it because they can and they will become a pain in the ass in the end. So make sure they're worth it. And then make a budget. This is going to sound ridiculously stupid, but um, make a budget. 
understand your budget, know exactly what your numbers need to be, and at least once a month, maybe that last couple of months, maybe do it every week, go to your anticipated expenses, look at what your actual expenses are, don't let it be a surprise because that surprise can take you for a ride. Oh, and that's a great tip because I remember after my first event, I was so relieved it was over because there just ask and be as open as possible with people. Because I remember I'm like, it's over. I am done being nickeled and dimed. Like you go into the hotel and there, and I'm like, oh, I need the screen down. Oh, that's $300. And you're like, Wait, what? Five seconds. So it's a great, great tip. At, like, did you go and just like kind of drill people before and really understand the full length of um, those potential costs that you that you they always pop up in the last month when you're like, there's well, no around. And and that's exactly why I don't use hotels and convention centers is because you get into that right. And so I do spend the other advantage to keeping your event smaller is you have. Uh, you have different options. So we get to use some of the cooler, more interesting spaces around town that'll hold a couple hundred people. And they're still designed for smaller conferences and stuff like that. And I do, I ask over and over and over, is this, are these my only expenses? Are these my only expenses? Is there anything else? I mean, I don't care what it is. I just want to know what it is and then get all that in writing. Um, and I fly out my production guy because he doesn't live in Austin. And I have him have him go through the space with the person too so he can ask all of his questions and anybody else. So don't be afraid. These guys are used to it. Don't be afraid to go to that space multiple times and walk through it. Get a floor plan of the space and so that you can run through your flow of how pe- where people are going to walk. You know, if you're probably quite visual. Where are people going to walk? How are they going to get there? When I put this big old game in the middle of this, measure it out. What does that look like? Oh, look, I only have two feet around this game now. Hmm, that's not going to work. Don't wait till you get there. It's a great tip. All right. Where I know there's going to be a 2018. If anybody wanted to go check it out, get on the list, find out the, all the events you've got coming up, where do they go? Freelanceconference.com. Easy enough. Easy. All right. Well, Emily, thank you so much for this. I appreciate just the info. I think it's so valuable. I know we obviously do too, that we, we mastermind together. So I appreciate it so much. And uh, I know we'll be chatting soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. This is great. <laughs> All right. Bye, Emily. Bye. Hey, it's Aaron from the Epic Live Events, and hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Now, I would love to help you with your live event. And how we're going to do that is by offering you our free live events budget worksheet. Listen, events take a lot of resources, whether it's time, money, or a little bit of both. Uh, You've got to figure out a way to really utilize this in your business to make your money back. So this spreadsheet has both sides, the different costs you may potentially have, how you can fill those in. You can just you know, fill in whatever number, estimates, call some people, get an understanding of what it may cost you to put this event or different ways. Um... You can save some money. And then, of course, on the other side, how are you going to make money back? Are you going to sell at the event? Are you going to sell tickets? Are you going to get sponsorship? Are there going to be different things that you can utilize in order to begin to make your money back? And this is a spreadsheet that will help you kind of, I'm a spreadsheet girl. That's how I think all the time. But this will help you really start putting the concept to paper or 
how can you do better in your in your next event and you know really make sure that bottom line because as much as I would love to do events for free I can't like it's it's a resource heavy thing but I promise you so so worth it so you can find that you can go to our show notes over at epicliveevents.co that's co you can also get it in the notes of this episode or jump over to bit bit.ly.ly slash epic underscore budget. Again, that's bit.ly slash epic underscore budget. And you can grab that, like I said, for free, start the planning. And I'm telling you, it's so worth it every single bit.